Hello, hello, and welcome to Epiloggers, a book club for fiction and nerd-like reading, where we crack open a beer as we crack open our books. This week, we are wrapping up our discussion on The Maze Runner by James Dashner. In this episode, Shay and I will evaluate the plot predictions we made in episode one, continue our discussion on Thomas, who we find out is basically Captain America, hash out the deus ex machina, that is Thomas and Teresa's telepathy, all the while paying our respects to their favorite character. R.I.P. Chuck. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where we pick our next dystopian book. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at EpiloggersPod and join the discussion using the hashtag Epiloggers. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Well, I did want to ask you how your week was going. Uh, my week is going pretty well. I just finished my first week of this new rotation and I have had a lot of fun. It's in a, a frog lab. So I had some practice catching very slippery frogs. <laughs> oh, you sent me that picture of your like lab front, the la- the front of your lab notebook or whatever, mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. had frogs all over it. And I was like, yep, she's going to have a fun semester. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And I'm like kind of disappointed that it's only half a semester, but, you know, you have to fit them. You have to fit all the rotations in. Uh, yeah. It's an aquatic frog. The scientific name is Xenopus lavis. I've actually had one as a pet. Do you remember Monster from college? I do remember Monster. Mm-hmm. He oh. was so they're African clawed frogs, and they make an excellent model system for studying early development because their eggs are huge and you can just see them with your naked eye. But uh, yeah, I had one as a pet, and I thought this will be fine. <laughs> I've seen them before. What I have seen before are males. Which are like ah. hand sized. What uh-huh. I had not seen before are females, which are like small dinner plate sized. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> they're huge. That's quite a size difference. <laughs> it's it's a huge size difference. Uh, they have they have bones and everything. Like they have very squishy bones, and they're they're aquatic, so they don't have the musculature to sit upright like normal frogs. They're completely prone all of the time. Oh, okay. Which means that they have giant, squishy bodies and really strong back legs. So their ability to, like, soap out of your hands is off the charts. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, heebie-jeebies. <laughs> uh, it was, it was inter- interesting. And it took me a while. There's, like, a special way to grab them. And everyone has their own technique. And, you know, you want to handle them gently, but... But as firmly. firmly as possible, because <laughs> if you let them squirt out of your hands, then they could fall and get hurt. So I practiced yeah. over a tub of water with a very calm female, and I couldn't even hold on to her. <laughs> You're going to need to start doing some wrist curls or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my. But other than that, it's been great. It's a really interesting lab. That's good. I'm still on vacay. <laughs> jealous how has that been you just went on vacation with your uh your boo and your dog my boo yeah and pup came with us we went up to upstate new york hoping for a little bit of snow because we were staying in a cabin but there was no snow oh <laughs> it was just 15 mile per hour winds so that great. was great <laughs> lovely uh we sampled a lot of beer which mm-hmm. was great and some Always wine great. Uh-huh. And did a little hiking. But it was overall it was pretty good. The weather was pretty mild, so it was Your a good snaps. time. Your snaps were adorable. Yes, the pup had a great time. <laughs> she did. 
Oh, man. Well, this morning, though, I definitely need coffee instead of beer as I'm rubbing my eyes. <laughs> uh, I have never, like, morning beard in my life. I yeah. don't have the stamina. I didn't have it in college. I certainly <laughs> don't have it now. <laughs> yeah, we never kegged and egged. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. No, 7 a.m., frat parties across the street though those were lit. yeah oh those were lit tell me about your coffee i want to know what fancy bullshit coffee you have today your coffee's so much fancier than mine i'm a little bitter i'm sorry i have a french press which if anyone has never not tried is there too many knots in that sentence if i don't know there might be if you have not tried french press coffee you need to because you really do need to. If you can't stand like the bitter aftertaste that coffee leaves in your mouth, French press does not do that to you. I don't know what it is differently, but it keeps all of the amazing chocolatey coffee flavors, nutty, whatever you want to say. If you're one of those fancy connoisseurs of, of coffee, <laughs> it keeps like the caffeine, keeps everything like good about what you want from the coffee, but it doesn't A, taste bitter, B, stay on your tongue for a really long time so i think it's something about the oil content of the coffee yeah like one of them allows more of the oil of the coffee to come out which by guessing i'm gonna say that's where some of the bitterness is that when you do drip coffee which is like your standard coffee machine Mm -hmm. you get more of the oil for some reason i think it might i think you might have it backwards because the top of my french press has an oil film like the coffee inside the french Mm -hmm. press has an oil film on the top of it Right, and the first right. cup is always That's the best. That's how you can tell, like, <clears throat> good coffee, right? Like, good quality coffee should have bubbles mm-hmm. in the coffee. Yeah. Like, there should be bubbles at the top. Right, like... Um, That's why they always put soap in it in commercials. Uh, ew. No, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about bubbles, but I knew, like, that there should be, like, a film at the top. But... Mm. Um, final statement about the French press. I am a very yeah. heavy cream person i need if i drink Mm -hmm. duncan's coffee whatever extra pump of caramel sauce for me please (laughs) with french press (laughs) i'm sitting here and drinking this coffee cream free so just throwing that out there if anyone else is addicted to cream Mm -hmm. like me give it a shot it's delicious this um my french press came from ikea which was probably under ten dollars because fucking amazing ikea it's like six (laughs) I think their short one is like $3 or something. Oh, hell yeah. And I, so like that's a single serving of coffee. That's the one that I have. Yeah, yeah. And you can, you can use regular coffee grounds. I have a spice grinder because I'm extra like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you about my extraness. And then the kettle from TJ Maxx was like $16 because, but, but I didn't always have this kettle. I would just boil a cup of water either on the stove or on the mm-hmm. microwave and pour it in. Like, you don't yeah. need a fucking fancy kettle. No, you don't. But I do because I'm extra. <laughs> <laughs> so we have not only have, like, our traditional drip and this French press, mm-hmm. we have an espresso maker. Yeah. And I have a pour-over um, craft. And I also have a grinder for the coffee. So we always buy whole beans and grind it every day. <laughs> I wish I had the time for that. I feel like... Maybe I could. I want that. But also, mm-hmm. I have the Ninja coffee bar or whatever, which was mm-hmm. like $200, mm-hmm. and I just cannot justify not using it. Right. Yes. But so, yeah, that's enough about my coffee. Tell me about your coffee. <laughs> well, I'm drinking coffee, or is it Cafe Au Lait, which means Ooh. I put a lot of milk in my coffee. 
<laughs> Mine is Aldi's coffee. <laughs> Their breakfast blend. It's really nice. I think it says notes of citrus on the bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, yeah. It's so, do you some... pick up those notes of citrus or nah? Nah. Really, this is just <laughs> coffee flavored milk. <laughs> the way I like it. Just the way I like it. Girl after my own heart. Well, I guess, should we talk about this book some? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> so the biggest reason why we are drinking coffee today is because we had to stay up all night last night to powerhouse through this because mm-hmm. the ending is you can't put the book kind of down. You can't put it down. Well, let's summarize the book in two minutes mm. and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I think my summary would be Tom, perfect boy know-it-all, <laughs> enters a maze. Never gets told anything. A girl appears. She holds a magic key to an impossible problem. They get out by sacrificing half of their party. (laughs) Let the best character die and then make it to quote unquote safety. Quote unquote. From your summary, I can tell like what parts of the book really stuck out to you. <laughs> okay, good. I want to hear yours then. <laughs> okay. The Maze Runner is about a bunch of kids who are trapped in a maze that is a front for an experiment. And they're trying to survive the maze and get out of it and learn more about the world that they don't perceive around them. And shit starts to get crazy. There's monsters. It's great. A girl shows up. That's a problem. And oh my God, it's getting shorter. (laughs) And then they get out under catastrophe. Mm. Catastrophe is a good word. Yep. Catastrophe erupts. Yeah. Cliffhanger. (laughs) Cliffhanger. Followed by cliffhanger. If you read far (laughs) enough. If you don't, everything's fine. Yeah. After finishing the epilogue, you learn about a flare that happened, a solar flare that kind of wiped out some of the population. And then you learned about like this scorched section of Earth mm-hmm. that I'm assuming will be the scorched trials <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. crossing that place. But based on the epilogue, are we even are we sure that we're even in the real world yet? Like, could this still just be uh, a simulation? Because ultimately, I'm I, I'm still confident that this is a simulation. Fair enough. I don't know if the people that have that rescued the team at the end are in the sim or if they're researchers like, you know, being placebo, not placebos, but what are they? What would those be called? People Um, who help move the plot along. Yeah, they wouldn't be a placebo. I don't know what you would call them. No, I can't even think like plants. Oh, oh, sure. Like that they're planted people in there. Do you want me to spoil anything for you? Um, I'll probably read the books. I don't know. Maybe we'll read them for this podcast or um, I might even read them just on my own. Okay. So no spoiler. No spoilers. Okay. All right. So final thoughts about the swearing. It still really bugged me. At no <laughs> point in time did I ever get used to the obnoxious clunkhead shuck face bullshit. Oh, but you broke it. You broke it at the last one there. <laughs> The swearing, the lack of swearing, the lack of swearing, 
he overuses it. Yeah. It's in like every goddamn sentence. Right. That they say something. And then not to mention the funniest quote (laughs) like of the entire book. Let me look it up real quick that everyone loves to quote. Oh, damn it. It's not right here. But it's like you shuck face, shuck head something. And I'm just like. Oh, boy. That's like too much. Way too much. No one swears like that. You're the fuckiest fuckhead. You know, that doesn't make sense. Who's ever fucked. (laughs) Who's ever fucked. It, it doesn't make sense. You oh, he overused it. I I think I probably would have appreciated or thought it was a little bit cuter mm-hmm. if it was more of like a random occurrence, or they like would slip up and and like Chuck did a couple of times. Right, they would like slip up and and be like, "Oops, ha ha ha!" I meant clunk. <laughs> right, or like as a you know, someone is scared enough to forget the language that they use in the glade. And then it would be like well, a yeah. stark contrast that, you know, things are really bad. Shit's because... getting really real. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. I think that would have been good, have been too. Good, it could have been a good break in their facade of community is fine. Um, going along with, like, the writing style of the author, I also have a note of that I texted you about when it was happening. And that the timing, the mm-hmm. timing is, like, so obscure. Did do they only ever get a few hours of darkness? Because there's no way in that first night that Thomas survives the maze that they are running around for eight hours. Oh, no, they're not running for eight hours. Um, But night is eight hours. But he doesn't run the whole time. He spends a lot of time just sitting there. And then he spends, he gets Albie up in the vines and then he sits there for a couple hours. Okay, but then so what about Minnow? He's running around for eight hours. Well, he runs away at first. You, he's probably like curled up in a corner somewhere for some of that time because Thomas is. I'm actively more like my eyes. <laughs> they, none of them are running for eight hours. You just you can't run for eight hours. I mean, I guess. So. Oh yeah, no, I. But that's why I think that the timing is like so weird in that maybe this is what people refer to as like pacing in a book. Yeah, and that you know, like he just didn't pace it appropriately. Also, I just want to pause um, with. The kid's name. I had no idea. You pronounce it Minnow. Well, I think it's Asian, so it's Minho, uh-huh. but I just was saying Minnow, like M-I-N-N-O-W. I think I've always thought of it with like a long I, like Minho. Oh, that would be yeah, that would definitely be in my head more but Asian. As soon as you said it, I like had this pause as my brain tried to calculate whether or not I had ever actually thought about this kid's name. Like, it, it occurred to me that I had just been reading it and not, like, ever saying it out, it out loud in my head, I think. So I was like... <laughs> like, literally every book, anytime I try to talk to anybody about it, I pronounce everyone's names wrong in comparison <laughs> to them. No one agrees with how I pronounce things. <laughs> That's hilarious. I don't disagree with you. I just, like, realized he's supposed to be Asian. He's supposed to be. Yeah. So, yeah, I would I would like, assume I mean, that he's it's described more, like, as Asian. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be more assumed that it would be, like, the Minho. I guess so. I don't know. Actually, yeah. that makes me wonder what philosopher he's named after. Uh, LOL. <laughs> Him, Zart, and there was another one. That they they're not they're not named after philosophers. Are you sure? I th- unless that there's unless that there's some but Zart like is Asian. short for something. They're all short. Like Newt yeah. is Isaac Newton. Oh my God, you're gonna die. 
Oh, who is it? Do you know who Zart is named after? No. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Oh. Wow. But he's not... Is he a philosopher? Or a researcher? Wait, what What are they supposed to be named after? Famous um, scientists. Just like great thinkers. Oh, great thinkers. Mm-hmm. Smart people. Got it. Okay. 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 I got you. Mo- Mozart. So who's Minho? Galley is Galileo. That one came yeah. to me right away. Yeah. Uh, it says there might not be someone for Minho. So he just some needed them, someone Asian. <laughs> yeah. So some of them, apparently, according to some interview, some of them do not directly correspond to someone that we know because it was supposed to correspond with like a thinker of the future because Maze Runner is set so far ahead in the future. Oh, okay. So like it was a great thinker that we don't know of because we're technically in the past. And so that's there, the un- Minho's the only one. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I don't really... Oh, wait, who would Teresa be named after? Mother uh, Teresa? Yeah, I don't know. Mother Teresa, I would guess. Hmm. I don't know about that one. Sorry, I'm like... No, figure out who Teresa's named after. And mm-hmm. then we'll get to talking about that bitch because... Oh, my God. Apparently, uh, Fry Pan is actually Siggy. And he's named after Sigmund Freud. Oh. I don't remember anyone referring to him by his actual name. Nope. Maybe oh. in, the, in the later books? Uh, Teresa is not named after someone. Oh, okay. Apparently that's important. Oh. Does that mean she com- is a bad character? It's revealed later in the Scorch Trials that she's not named after anyone. Oh. Well, that was fun. That was a little, uh, little aside there. Little side note. Do you want to talk about, before we like jump into Teresa, do you want to talk about Thomas and how he is the epitome of a young adult male protagonist? <laughs> yeah, Tom. He's better. Multiple... He's stronger. He's faster. He's smarter. <laughs> da, 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 Captain America. He's fitter, and we can assume he's way hotter, too. <laughs> I mean,. He reads like an Avengers plot, you know? Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He epitomizes um, Stark and uh, Captain America and, you know, everyone who's like super sexy and I don't have to practice and (laughs) I'm just naturally really good. Like juking out a griever that literally, you can't tell me that no one's ever done that before. No one's been trying to run away from that. Sounds like everybody else just runs away like a coward. Yeah. Also, so I have like two takes on this. One, I have to like, I guess, make a joke about (laughs) like lining it up with the Avengers. At least the Avengers all have something that like gives them that ability. Like Tony Stark is a genius. Yes. Captain America gets a serum. (laughs) Right. And was there another one? Well, those are my two examples. But but, like Thomas is just amazing. And Again, something that, like, in defense of the book, I guess, these kids don't just, like, jump into the maze like children. They've had them for years, Mm -hmm. and it's only implied. It's not described. I think perhaps later, they spent a lot of time training, (laughs) then had their memories wiped. 
So they oh. were all prepped for this situation. They needed them to be somewhat physically fit or they never would have made it. Right. What they need to come out of the maze is their mental ability. However, the brain has to go with that. So you have to imagine that like they took a bunch of kids and only selected the best. Probably athleticism played a part in that. Yeah. Yeah, and I can agree. And then but still what I Chuck, I'm not quite sure where anyway. Where the, they got him. Yeah, where Chuck came from. But mm-hmm. the Tom is just much too perfect. Like he doesn't yeah. really have any flaws other than his idiotic sense of heroicism by yeah, yeah, yeah. putting himself in dire situations. Right. So I can't Which remember what I, that's called. Uh, that has a name. Like, yeah, I can't. I can't think now either. Someone makes a joke about it at some point. I feel like maybe in the Avengers. <laughs> it's yeah. like a thing that you like have to. You have to be the hero. Right. That's what he has, and I think it's so funny because as as like a young adult or a teen, it's such an attractive quality. The, yeah. like, you have to be a hero is definitely something desired. And then when you get older, you're like, that almost never helps the situation. <laughs> yeah, literally never helps. So as it, you grow up, it, like, becomes distasteful. <laughs> exactly. It's very similar to Harry Potter. In that, oh, my you know, God. Like, he, <laughs> he constantly feels the need to be the yes, hero. To the point, you know, and then it always works out. It always works out for the hero because it's not real life. In real life, right. if you try to hero every time, you're going to get fucked up. <laughs> And fired. <laughs> you're going to get, get fired. fired. <laughs> if you're in a situation where you could die, you're probably going to die. That stuff doesn't work out very well. No one is that lucky and no. that skillful. Yeah. That's and probably, that has to be why that it seemed like such a bitter taste on my tongue the whole time because yeah. Thomas is so one dimensional in that he's this perfect individual and he he's always just a hero. lucks out of everything mm-hmm. so it's just right. like ugh, really and he <laughs> Again. doesn't even luck out it's because he's supposed to be like smarter yeah. and better than everyone else like he's obviously the cream of the crop and yeah. that's why he was selected to work on the maze and then put in as like a final tribute to so the maze. do you think tom is james dashner's like wishful his wishful (laughs) perception of himself i mean probably i don't if you're a writer like i'm sure you write yourself into your best characters you know or like it's like the best version of you but it's also like the number one young adult protagonist yeah there's i don't i can't think of any young adult novels where it's a uh what is it an unlikable hero Shoot, what is that called? Like Tony Stark. What is Tony Stark? Uh, they're man. they're heroes. I, I'm struggling that you don't today. I need like. a little more coffee. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> One cup was not enough. Mm-mm. No, but I know what you're talking about. Like this hate to love kind of character. Anti-hero. Deadpool, Tony Stark. They're anti-heroes. Okay. Uh, what Suicide Squad tried to do and failed miserably at. <laughs> <laughs> uh so funny and i also i wanted to like bring that up as a a young adult theme that everyone who has ever been a teenager has felt at some point that they're the weird one that no one is going through exactly what they're going through and i think that's why young adult novels 
always have that theme. Like Thomas always feels like an outsider. He doesn't relate to the boys around him. He feels different. And it turns out that he is different for amazing reasons. And I feel like that is something (laughs) that youths crave. You know or you you don't know because in reality, we all go through a pretty similar process. Yes, the fine details are a little bit different. But for the most part, we all feel the same way at some point, And that is that young adulthood blows. <laughs> right. So I've also heard of bland heroes are done on purpose so that the reader can fill their empty space with their own personality and therefore be more connected to the hero and feel like it's them even more. Yeah. And I feel like it's easy to put yourself in Tom's shoes, I think. Yeah. And I I'm... Agree. Not really, I would say, defending Tom's kind of like lack of personality other than (laughs) being a hero because I know that's a style. Like I'm bringing it up as a stylistic element, but Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily one that I enjoy. No, yeah. I don't think I'm a fan either. Katniss's characterization, for example, is much stronger. She has some feelings about some stuff and you might not agree with her or like she might come across as rude or brash but she is absolutely a characterized person whereas thomas is a little bit like one layer yeah Mm -hmm. one layer yeah yeah Yeah, so i feel you there it's it's kind of frustrating as an adult who probably has read some other stuff and wants some characterization yeah yeah (laughs) character development yes Mm -hmm. well and the girl was so disappointing in that she was so basic. Like, yeah, James Dashner, can you give us a little bit more about this woman here? <laughs> she's a pretty typical, like, uh, like side hero, you know? She's yeah. she's your typical female sidekick to male protagonist. Yeah. So, like, typical hero protagonist. Like, she's feisty, but she doesn't really do much. <laughs> She lets Tom take the ropes. (laughs) I can tell that she can defend herself, but she never does. No, and I don't. I don't think I can tell that she defends herself either because uh, she just kind of like sarcastically feisty, stupid. (laughs) Feisty, stupid. In that, like she was like what you what my white knight you don't think i can take care of myself mm-hmm. and then goes on to do absolutely nothing <laughs> right right i would say she it feels like there was I'm potential a, there was potential you know, like her her sassiness or her ability to stand up to all of the boys who weren't really giving her the time of day i think was good yeah you know like she anytime someone would talk about her or like mention her she would just like shut up or i can't remember at one point she said oh she like kicked someone in the throat or something or kicked someone in the balls to get out of the hospital and she was like if you don't shut up and stop talking about me you're next like that's great love it yeah but she never you know like we don't really get to see any of that i think because she's not important to the writer you know like he's way more concerned about thomas and she just like fills that typical romance (laughs) spot yeah (laughs) well yeah i agree i think you know, that was good comedic relief whenever she does explain, like, oh, he didn't tell you how I kicked him in the balls and escaped out the window, did he? You know? And yeah, I think right. He was like, I don't know. So- she got out. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sassy and funny, and I love it. But that's literally it for her character development. <laughs> right, right. That's all we get for her. That's and, all like, we the get. Rest because she's just a... Yeah. She's just a romantic figure mm-hmm. for Thomas. Mm-hmm. 
which Which wasn't necessary. I don't think it was necessary. I think if you somehow gave Thomas a different way to figure out that the maze was a code, because that's, that's, so the, the, after the one night in the, sorry, my dog's eating food. I don't know if you can hear that. Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) She's eating her (laughs) breakfast. Um, after the night in the maze with Mm -hmm. Tom, there's kind of like, a stagnant state where we don't really get any more development. We still have that same mystery. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where you start to lose me a little bit. Right. And the girl starts to finally talk to him, which. Uh, oh, but, yeah. Let's hit up on that telepathy next. Yeah. Which does move the plot along. I feel like there could have been a different way to do that mm-hmm. without. And I bet you if you once you figure that out, you could have 100 percent not written her in this book at all. Like, I don't think she served any purpose other than to give him that tiny plot movement, which if the characters would have figured it out themselves, I feel like would have been a little bit more satisfying to me. Sure. Because she gave him the deus ex machina, the Mm -hmm. easy plot point that was just given to the characters, which is just such a, (laughs) oh, Jay hates it. (laughs) Um, But so, yeah, we'll talk about the te- telepathy right telepathy, and i telepath, i do want to so. add that mm-hmm. she's important later <laughs> well good because she was definitely not fucking important in this book. right you could <laughs> write her out of this book and nothing would happen um we can talk about it more about what we would have had what what i would have done differently mm. because i feel like she could have served a little bit better of a purpose Right, but I mean, not putting was, her in he the maze. was right there figuring it out, you know? Yeah. Like, because it kept it kept eating at him. And in reality, he built the damn thing. Like, he designed yeah. it. So eventually, he would have recalled it. He could have just yeah. gotten stung by the griever later and been like, oh, hey, guys. <laughs> well, it's, it's so funny because, like, he alludes to needing to get stung, like, three times prior to that. And I'm like, you need to just grow a set and get stung, and boy. And just because... get stung. Yeah. He ignores it. So do you want to talk about the telepathy or the grievers next? Um, let's talk about the telepathy because <laughs> I don't rem- I don't remember how it occurs. So he tells the other boys after he receives some of his memories back that he and Teresa were chosen for a, like a slightly higher purpose slightly or mostly because they are telepathic together. And I don't remember where else that comes into play in the book i don't remember if that's true i don't remember if their telepathy is engineered i don't remember if they have telepathic abilities with anyone else but each other i don't actually remember so did you did you read all four books yeah so i think that this telepathy was because the author wrote himself into a corner and <laughs> that he needed to get out some way, so he gave them telepathy. Because I have a feeling it's going to come up maybe one more time in the next four books, but then it's not important at all after that. I started to remember something. I don't have enough of a thought. I'm not sure. That's okay. I can't, can't comment. I don't remember. In order to make her be like everyone else, she was going to need to forget everything upon waking. So he kept her asleep and gave her the ability to talk to Thomas before she woke up. He wrote himself into a corner, couldn't figure out. He wanted this girl to be the trigger, but then he screwed up and couldn't figure out how to make her the trigger without making her too different from the rest of the boys. Contemplating. 
Yeah, about the telepathy in the future. Because I know, I know for a fact, I just know he's not going to use that because that's like time. This is exactly like the time turner in Harry Potter. It's really oh. important for that one point in time. And then but, never <laughs> right, but then but then you can't use it ever again. Something changes and they can't use it anymore. Google it. Google I it. Am, I am Googling it. Oh, no. I mean, am I really wrong? It's important? It is. Okay. Well, it is fine. Important. I can tell you that. It is several plot points. Okay. Additionally. Uh, wow, I didn't Engineered or natural? Am I supposed to tell you? Yeah. Engineered. Okay. So that was one big thing that was going to be a problem for me if that was supposed to be natural. Yeah, me too. That's when I read it and couldn't remember anything about it. I was like, hold on. (laughs) Is this just like some bullshit that appears like some supernatural bullshit? It's not. Yeah. So as long if it's engineered, I can roll with it a little bit more. It's engineered and it's more of so like before we started rolling and we were like trying to get over the initial excitement of finishing the book and (laughs) talking to each other. um, The plot of this book gets crazier. Like it gets oh, okay. more um like the the, the trials get harder and, like or... the trials get harder. Okay. Everything gets more batshit insane to the point that like if the escape of this book was page turning, it gets insane in the next mm-hmm. three books. Where I think I read the fourth one maybe in a day. Just oh. like trying to get through all of this crazy stuff that happened and like it's a lot. The rest of the books are a lot. Like, this is just a taste of, of the next three books. Yeah. Thomas doesn't change. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I can't remember what's going with that. All right. Let's talk about the horror show that is The Grievers. Yes. Let me pour a little bit more coffee. Let me let me have a sip. I'm out of coffee. I guess I can go get myself a new one, but that would include walking into my kitchen and pouring more into a cup. Yeah. This is the last of mine, so we might need to make some more. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Yeah. So the shit show that is The Grievers. So yeah, the oh, nightmare fuel. I had to reread it probably three or four times to really get a feeling for what he was trying to describe. To describe. Because if you remember correctly, my prediction of what the Grievers looked like was incorrect as all hell. <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing something more along the lines of like Slender Man, where it's like this body with like oh. talons and st- stuff. Sure. And then they describe it like this goopy glob with spikes mm-hmm. and arms yeah and i'm just like <laughs> that is like the most anticlimactic <laughs> i've ever i've ever had <laughs> and like they it has hair and and gooey are they described as having hair because I'm, so yes. I'm looking right now at some pictures online and a lot of them have hair and i yeah. don't remember that at all it's like a two two thing that it's like patchy hair and i'm just like Ugh. oh barf city like oh my god that's disgusting like barf city a, a child created this monster for him and he wrote it <laughs> he was like yes that sounds excellent. that's it but 
it does help along the plot in that it's a slug and that it can climb the walls, which makes sense. But yeah, I don't even know. Honestly, I don't know if their body gives them any ability to do anything because it seems like their mechanical appendages are what allow them to climb and run and shit. Yeah, I guess once I had slugs stuck in my head, I just mm-hmm. imagined this like ginormous slug that was like it had spikes like a tread and it was just like rolling along the ground like that. Well, they do they do roll to move, so I feel like that's probably pretty accurate. And I'm looking at the movie rendition and the movie rendition is really good. They're really oh, right, scary. which which why I was talking about how I remember seeing the movie. I do not remember seeing those slugs and those mm-hmm. are fucking nightmare fuel. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. that is the the movie did a fantastic job yeah, portraying I, those things. That's I tried scary to, as fuck. They're, yeah, they're really scary. I tried to read it with an interpretation that I could glean just from reading, and I honestly couldn't picture them either. No, and, like, it, it just, was hard. And I couldn't picture them as a death machine. I could literally only picture like a giant fat slug with stuff sticking out of it, like wobbling its way <laughs> in a certain direction. Well, right, and, like, I pictured, like, a weird cross between ghasts and um, <laughs> um, the goo in Minecraft. Where, uh, uh, magma cubes or the slimes? The magma cube. Yeah, a slime, a slime. <laughs> so I, like, pictured a weird cross between a gas and a slime, too. Like, but he never gives you color, unless he doesn't, mm-hmm. it's just drab. He never gives I, uh, you, like, specifics. I, I don't know. No, I, it's I just was, sluggish. Yeah, I was having a hard time figuring out what it was supposed to look like, which made right. it so, like, comical in my mind. Because I'm right. just, like, picturing this fucking disgusting slug, and it's not, it's well, not right. scary. <laughs> and every time I tried to come up with a new interpretation of it, I was like, oh my god, I, I can't come up with anything. I can't physically recreate any of these things that are being described with the body of a slug. It just didn't then, work for me. Yeah, and then I absolutely lost it when Galley jumped into it. And just right, stuck and they in like it. stick to them. Yeah, it's very confusing. And uh, then, and and it describes when he's like rolling away that Galley is appearing and disappearing, appearing yeah. and disappearing. And I'm like, <laughs> that is so fucking hilarious. That, but that's not scary at all. Like he's writing it so funny. It's not scary. Right. Like that slug is not scary. <laughs> no, the slugs are not scary. And honestly, when I was thinking about it, I was like, all right, so let's think about things that people are afraid of. <laughs> I think the first thing that would come to my mind with multiple appendages would be a spider or a centipede. Yes. And those seem like more natural options to me. And honestly, the grievers from the movie are more spider-like. They're just yeah, like a they're wet, definitely, squishy spider. Yeah, definitely more spider-like, which is more scary, especially when he describes their attack, quote-unquote. I'm using air quotes here. Air quote. That air quote. it, like, turns into a ball, like like a millipede curling up into a ball mm-hmm. and then spinning down the, the, the pathway a little bit with its spikes out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, that's not what, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an action movie that I have seen where something is only dangerous when it rolls in a ball. And I know this is a concept. Like, I know I've seen this before where something is kind of useless looking and all of a sudden it rolls into a ball. And when it does that, a bunch of spikes pop out of it and it's just like a rolling death wheel. Yeah, but I like can't for the life of me remember what it's from. Yeah. I'm Maybe it'll come to like my... Sonic Hedgehog kind of thing. Oh, that's exactly how I picture them rolling. Also, yeah. as I'm looking at, I'm looking at the um, the movie pictures right now, and a 
a conflict popped into my head that the the grievers make horrible noises, like horrifying moaning. That's why the groans. goat, the ghasts came into my mind. The gas, yeah. <laughs> uh, they don't have a mouth. Oh, because yeah, one right. of them screams later when it's killed, like when the first and only griever that's killed, which is obviously killed by Thomas, yeah. sc- like obviously. death screams. Uh, he, it's like written. That it's, it makes like a high-pitched, disgusting scream, and he can't figure out how it does it because it's got no mouth. Obviously, the ones in the movie have a mouth because mouth mouthed things are way scarier than mouthless things, unless, unless the one exception being the creature from Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> oh, I have never seen the movie. Oh, no. I mean, Pan's Labyrinth is okay. The only, like worthy part of pan's labyrinth is the fact that guillermo del toro did the monsters for it so they're fucking terrifying ah i wonder if he did these ones too they don't really seem like i love guillermo del toro and his monsters and i love like cheap action movies so he did the monsters for hellboy he did the monsters for pan's labyrinth and then he also did the monsters for pacific rim which i just fucking love i love pacific rim and i can always spot a guillermo del toro monster (laughs) okay so obviously i want to take these grievers down a much darker path than they were uh, initially written for let's hear it how would you write the grievers um it's not so much that i would write them differently i would actually maybe describe them a little bit differently and i would spend more time focusing on what a hell show they are (laughs) so i have some questions for you okay based on their mechanics um do you think they're living creatures do you think they're sentient do you think they feel pain uh well based on its screaming i guess it has to feel pain so that must mean it's mildly sentient um but i thought it was just going to be controlled by the creators they and because they are just they set traps for the kids like they set the Mm -hmm. traps for the kids which i don't think how would the grievers know about it unless they were able to listen to the creators so like the creators are directing them to create to set this trap for them absolutely uh the beetle blades peruse the maze report conditions to like some the program and the grievers respond accordingly. They must have some kind of programming, and I don't remember, but they obviously have some kind of combat programming where they can engage, yeah. Engage, which again, is this supposed to be like another science technology advancement that we accept as, you know, like suspension of disbelief so that they can erase certain memories. And so like also they have programs that make these grievers do combat because they behave in a very animalistic way. Right. They're not, I don't, I didn't really understand their purpose other than to make the maze difficult. You know, like I don't, Mm -hmm. there was no easy way to defeat them, you know, like other than juking them out, which somehow the kids never figure out in two years. But right. I don't know. There was no easy way to to beat them. So it wasn't really part of the trial. It was just supposed to make things a little bit more difficult. And I don't, is it new technology? Probably not. I mean, we have robots, so it's just like a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen those robots try to oh, open yeah. doors? That's, that's the one that's like running or whatever is hilarious. <laughs> I can't talk about that. Uh, 
Sometimes if I'm in a bad mood or I'm depressed, I will watch robots try to flip pancakes and open doors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Those are funny. Oh, my God. It's so funny. I can't handle it. So, yeah, I'm just very curious about the creation of these monsters. And I feel like developing them more could have been more terrifying, Mm -hmm. which... It might not be the point of this book, but I really like things that are super scary. Like the the mutants in Hunger Games are all absolutely terrifying, and well, I love right. them. And but that's why I didn't really like the maze. Like the maze in Harry Potter was so much more entertaining because there was multiple aspects. Mm-hmm. There's multiple aspects to right. the Hunger Games entertainment. Uh, it, it was so basic that you. You can't tell me that they couldn't figure that out in two years. Like, that was so... There was not multiple dimensions. I was hoping the girl would trigger, like, a new level and that something else would happen in the maze, that you have to deal with grievers and something Mm -hmm. else. And Right. New creature or, like, now the maze fills with lava and... (laughs) Yeah. Anything else about your grievers? Um, No, I'm just very curious about whether or not they are like actual creatures or just constructs of like metal and flesh substitute because like their spikes pop through their skin they're not out all the time they have spikes that like pop through them is that like are they living like is that awful and they're like constantly burning like they smell like flesh burning and like motor oil i feel like they could be so terrifying if we knew more about them. Yeah. And I got a couple more that. descriptions or right. or experiences with them. Right. Yeah. And I, I love creatures. I love like creature movies. I love the creatures in books. And they just they're not really like a main focus of development, which is fine because I guess they don't have to be. It's just what I personally want. <laughs> well, and I think it if they don't explain it in the future books, like, I guess we're with Tom, so we don't really get to figure out what the creators have been doing this whole time. Mm-hmm. So I guess you that's later, why we don't get yeah. to figure out why yeah, I, things are the way they are. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I I would have liked to understand them a little bit more and figure out, like, what their purpose was to serve. Because, like, I, I still don't get why they were actually killing kids. Like, that, right. like, was still They're... frustrating to me. I was really expecting, when they talked about coming down the shithole mm-hmm. and landing and seeing white pods. I was like, oh, yes, 100%. These kids are safe. It's just their minds. But no, they really are killing them. Yeah. The only purpose of the Grievers is to make the maze hard, to kill off kids that aren't useful, and to instill terror. Yeah, It's important that the kids are experiencing fear. True terror, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not fake because the kids never show back up. So it's like they are actually Oh, they dead. actually die. <laughs> yep. They actually die. Um, yeah. So if a solar flare ruined the universe and... Ruined the earth. Mm-hmm. Right. So why are we... St- why are we killing people? Like, don't we need to save these mildly smart individuals? Like, I don't... I don't know. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense yet. I can't, like, give you anything, I think, without explaining the plot but the Ah. flare is only half the problem so the flare refers to two separate events that are occurring at the same time there's the flare where the sun flared up and killed 
tons of crops and kind of ruined the earth. But that also came with a sickness that seems like radiation poisoning. Oh, okay. So that is what people started calling the disease. Is the oh, flare. the thing that atta- attacks Thomas when he's trying to get on the bus. Exactly. The disease, yeah. She is someone who is suffering from the flare. Mm-hmm. And most of the world is suffering from the flare. I have one more question for you. Um, because it, it relates to the grievers. So the grievers are a giant, like, rolling ball of nightmare. And the runners are able to take weapons with them. And most of them choose daggers. If you were a runner right. and you had to deal with something that you could see from afar and hear from afar, <laughs> and hear from what afar. weapon would you choose? I'd probably take the bow. I would take <laughs> the fucking bow. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't understand why they wanted a close combat weapon. I don't that either. Isn't... They have giant metal arms, and one of them is described as having three rotating saws why on earth would you try to get close to that uh, befounds me <laughs> befounds me. i feel like i would take a bow and i wouldn't let anything get in any distance to me yeah when i got to that point where they were describing the weapons in the room and i was like you're kidding me no one is going to take this fucking bow <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. I always want a bow. I never want to get close to anything. If I'm playing Minecraft, I have a bow. If I'm playing any of the Elder Scrolls, I have a bow. If I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons, I have a bow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, far far combat's definitely your suit. Uh, it is. <laughs> okay, so what was the next thing? All right. Back at it. I made really good coffee, by the way. Ooh. And by really good coffee, I mean that I put sweetener in it this time. Oh. I have Tarani hazelnut syrup. I put that in it. Ooh. <gasps> Ooh. It's very nice. And I frothed the milk. Oh, hell So now yeah. I have a fancy coffee, too, that I heated up in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. That's good shit. Okay. Well, now that we have our second cup. Uh-oh. What's that face for? I'm so sorry. I just looked up his published works. There's a fifth fucking book. It came out in 2016. Oops. Oh, no. Now I have to read all of them. (laughs) I have the four box set. (laughs) uh, Oh, no. What the hell? I thought they were done. (laughs) Okay, listen, listen to this timeline. So also the Maze Runner is like the sixth book that he wrote. I'm sorry. Wait. One, two, three, four, five. Eh. Oh, he wrote a couple. Oh, my goodness. So also he's a serial writer. Like he finishes multiple books a year. So. Ah. So that's where the substance is mildly lacking. (laughs) Yeah. So the first book that he wrote that I can find is the Jimmy Fincher saga. That's a four Mm. book thing. Uh, A Door in the Woods is the first one in 2003. So, The Maze Runner, 2009, Scorch Trials, 2010, Death Cure, 2011, The Kill Order, 2012, Fever Code, 2016. Huh. What happened? I, 
What happened, well, James? Well, the movie started come out. <laughs> the movie started coming out in 2013. I wonder if he wanted to capitalize. Maybe. It's probably just like an add-on. I don't remember anything at the end of the kill order being very open-ended. Like, yeah, open-ended. Maybe it's just well, like an so additional What I've been noticing with a lot of young adult writers right now is that they're doing a lot of like side stories. So mm-hmm. I wonder if like he's just building upon, you know, somebody else. Uh-huh. Probably. More world building. <laughs> Even though he's building. terrible at it. So I don't know where he's going to be doing that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, some pros that I liked about the book is that I would definitely finish the series because I think it is mm-hmm. a really good, interesting plot. I just think mm-hmm. that he could have, you know, developed it a little bit more or not used all those weird swear words. <laughs> right. Right, but like in reality, he wasn't going to. He published these books quickly, oh, right. and while he was writing other things, like this was not right. The an problem endeavor. you get with a serial writer is that you don't really ever get a whole ton of fulfillment from every single book. Like, they'll, mm-hmm. if you take all four and look at them sep- like together, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. build a great story. But if you look at, I'm right, sure if you point. look at each one individually, they can't really stand alone. Right. It's nothing like spectacular. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, yeah, I mean, it's one thing I probably would have done differently is not made the girl that kind of high significance, but then it turns out to be nothing. But low significance. But low. High, but low right. significance. All this build up to a very lackluster point in that mm-hmm. the, I feel like Tom probably could have gotten to that point all on his own if, especially mm-hmm. if he would have just gotten stung by the grievers by himself, Soon. like earlier. Mm-hmm. And right. we wouldn't have even needed to have like, <laughs> we're we're literally told the entire plot because he gets stunned by the grievers. So like right in the very end. I picked up on the fact that all the other words were five letter words and then the last word push was only four. I'm like, well, they've either oh, forgot I a letter or that. something's wrong. But like for sure you have to put the other words in first, right? Because the, it's just a button by itself that says kill the maze. Can you do it without the right. other ones? Yeah. <laughs> could could you have jumped in the first day and just pushed the button? <laughs> right, cuz it doesn't say that like the other words unlock anything like the button is on the floor and it's been there the whole time right so could you just push the button yeah i feel like had i been a person in this situation i absolutely would have tried to figure out where the grievers were coming right i thought that was kind of like a dumb plot point in that they really didn't Mm -hmm. think like where could these creatures possibly be coming from if there's so few Mm -hmm. during the day Right. Like, they don't come out during the day. I would have absolutely tried to find where they were. Yeah. And, like, let's say you don't know what they are, and you're like, oh, okay, like, do they go somewhere at night and take a little sleep? Because I'm going to burn that place to the right. ground. Yeah. It, that, that was kind of silly in that, like, we're mm-hmm. constantly scolded with Tom and, like, thinking of, like, yeah. the easiest ways out. But then they don't right. think of Why that. Why do you do this? We thought of yeah. that. Like, they went to the cliff. You didn't toss anything out farther? Right. Like... I, I, I can see how you wouldn't have immediately thought that the cliff would be like uh, an, an a illusion <laughs> or something, but right. Yeah, I don't know. 
for being the smartest kids the world has left to offer. It doesn't seem like they thought this through that much. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They thought about just about everything that a normal human would think about and nothing more. (laughs) And nothing more. Right. Like, when you're thinking about rounding up the world's smartest kids, yeah, they'd have to be a little smarter than that. One thing I didn't like is that, okay, I guess that the maze wasn't going to be solvable. The, the, The whole point of the book was not to solve the maze. But then, like, really, what are you testing? Like, what are the... What's the point? Why Why are you testing these kids just to like... I know. I can't tell oh, you. Okay. So there is a point. It's, I just haven't gotten it to There it is a point. There is a point to all of it. Like individually, everything contributes to a larger puzzle. Yeah. And it's not that the maze had any purpose other than testing them. So like a maze is the easiest way to test certain mental capacities and that's true in, like, lots of, like, learned behavior, you know? Well, like, right. And and the researcher at the, the end says, like, you know, we expected a lot more to give up. So, like, the fact that there it was a mm-hmm. very difficult maze and that they pushed and persevered does show a lot. Right. I, just, I right. guess it was just showing their ability to build a civilization and try to make it work in the worst of cases. Yes and yeah. no. So don't think of it like there's a purpose outside of the experiment Mm. um just so that like if you continue to read and you want to catch on to stuff your perceived notion is that this is for colonization and i think i can say this without like ruining the rest of the plot that's not it okay it is specifically situationally based so the maze was supposed to be exhaustive and unsolvable Ah. Like, that is the point. Think of it more not as, like, civilization testing or, like, physical testing Psychological, with, like, running and stuff. Yeah. Right. It is specifically exhaustive testing. Oh, okay. Which is why, like, you would want to be able to kill people because that is an end game. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, if you can die, that sets your mindset into a different place. They are testing the different mindsets. Mm-hmm. Of these kids and trying to see what situations, what they'll do in these specific situations. And those are exhaustiveness, terror, death, things like that. Well, I think that definitely puts the book in a different light for me. um, Because, like Mm -hmm. you know, from only reading the first book, you don't quite get all that. Right. Right. And, like, reading through it, like, having you read through it and getting everything that you can get out of the first book. Yeah, it doesn't set any of that up. I think, like, the only reason I'm pulling that out of what she says at the end is because I know more of what is coming. Okay. So, like, as far as, like, setting the reader up to accept the things that he's going to give you later, maybe not the best. (laughs) Do you have any pros and cons? Um, yeah, I would say pro- it's a different kind of story. It's interesting. Um, if you take it at, you know, like if you think about it for a while and build your own strength behind it, like I think I'm trying to do for yeah. you, it's enjoyable. Con, it's not the best written. The character development is kind of minimal. Yeah. And I'm not saying by any means that I didn't enjoy it because I 100% enjoyed it. And I right. would definitely, I wouldn't right. reread it, but I would definitely continue the series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
it was just, you know, it could have been a little bit more. And if it was written by someone who's not a serial author, might it might have been better. It could right. have been a little bit. There's a lot of potential all oh, over yeah. it. I mean, it could have been a book by itself. It doesn't need to be a series of four, except that, like, this version of it does. Like, it needs the next four, apparently five, yeah. <laughs> books to, like, finish it up and build it up and do what he's trying to accomplish. But had it been, like, a little bit better paced and developed, yeah. it could have been something by itself. Oh, yeah. And it could have been, like, a really creepy, great... A one-off, yeah. Like, psycho Yeah, thriller. I agree. One thing I really did enjoy about the book is... Minho, Minho, Minho. Yeah. <laughs> however, however, whatever his name is going to be. He, I think he was one of the better developed characters in his, mm-hmm. you know, attitude towards everything, um, his sarcastic, like, but serious mm-hmm. nature. I think I really enjoyed. Right. And I definitely think that he was one of the better developed characters out of everyone. And Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, I think personally... For me, two characters that I really enjoy mm-hmm. are Albie and Newt, mm-hmm. and not individually, but the two of them together. Yeah, I was going to say, because I didn't I... like ending Albie. <laughs> oh, I know. It was so... Yeah, I mean, he gets, like, changed, and his personality sucks, and then he commits suicide yeah, for nothing. For nothing. Um, in my headcanon, I'm shipping them really hard. <laughs> I When I read it the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, these two have the cutest bromance. And then when I read it the second time, I was like, obviously these two guys are together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they like obviously care about each other more than anybody else there. And like Newt is more than like a second in command for oh, sure. Yeah. Like they have something else going and he is like crushed when Albie dies and he's sad that Albie's going to be changed. Mm hmm. I'm sorry, but they're more than Oh, nice. yes. I ship it. I canon it. It exists in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and they are really cute. And I'm surprised that more gay relationships didn't evolve out of two years of teen boys being together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a bunch of guys. I mean, it's only two years, but like that's enough time. They're yeah. men. Especially some uh, of them being a, a little bit older, like, like older high school kids. Right. Yeah, they're older high school kids. They're stuck together. A lot of them are, you know, like intelligent people the the situation would be right Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) do you want to talk about how sad you were when chuck oh yeah our favorite characters chuck chuck's my yeah my little man he's so cute poor little chuck and he's just like minnow he was definitely one of the better developed characters he was so lovable Mm -hmm. i didn't i honestly had no idea he was going to be killed like i was not predicting it at all yeah i was heartbroken and um, his, the only thing that I feel like, or one big thing that I feel like Chuck gave to the story was gave Tom a mm-hmm. little bit better of a purpose than just being, you know, I need yeah. to solve every problem. <laughs> right, right. It was like the, the younger brother character and both of us having younger siblings yeah. that we are protective over, I think, feel that a lot. So, you know, I like felt... I, d- I identified with Katniss protecting Prim, and in this case, Tom protecting Chuck. Yeah. I I think Minho and Chuck are both real characters. Like they're real people that you've probably encountered in your real life. Like no one's met a Thomas. No. Like you don't meet people like yeah. That. That's definitely what meet... made me more attracted to those characters and felt more like yeah. uh, feelings <laughs> for them. Right. Right. 
Right. Chuck is definitely a, a cute younger brother. Chuck's death was definitely unnecessary. It was just really just like a gut punch. There wasn't any need just because I he, the author probably just didn't want to bring him into the next books. <laughs> I know it feels like it's unnecessary, but the researcher tells you it's important. Yeah. for But, but why? Not in the aspect that you're describing. It is important. Endurance. That doesn't it doesn't make sense in perseverance we'll have so to read again, the rest of the books for this not as endurance or perseverance but a specific brain state like a specific type of stress mm-hmm. it's a specific type of stress yeah and it was important specifically for thomas <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was a chance when when I finished it last night and was like, oh my gosh, I forgot, you know, that they end it nicely and then set it up for such disaster yeah. in the epilogue. I was like, I wonder if when I talk to Jay tomorrow, she's going to be like, well, I guess we're reading the next three because I need to know what the hell is going on. <laughs> uh, yes, that is exactly how I feel. I feel like we're probably going to do like a two hour long special of just summarizing the final three books. <laughs> Oh, uh, we probably could do it in two hours too. Yeah, I'll I'll reread them again. Or no, nah, I'll reread them again. <laughs> you don't have to. We They're can always fine. just watch the movies. So, yeah, but they're so quick. I honestly read half the book yesterday, and it took me like I don't know, maybe four hours. Yeah, I read over half. Maybe the book. I think my Kindle yeah. told me I started at like twenty six percent and finished it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I, did I had it in to a slow day. myself down too. Like I was. My eyes just jump from page to page mm-hmm. when I'm speed reading and just like picking up details that it like thinks are important and the rest <laughs> of it just gets thrown away. So I would like read three pages and be like, no, go back and pick up the details so you can take notes. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a better idea of what's going on. <laughs> uh, you have to be able to talk about this stuff. <laughs> well, leading into the next books, though, I think the epilogue is probably the most well-written and most important part of the entire book. Yeah. (laughs) I think we were talking about this before we started recording, but I feel like he should have released that as like a little novella after this book was finished and submitted. Like after you Mm -hmm. read this book, you think it ends on a happy ending. Six months later, you get this novella saying, ha ha, it's not. Just kidding. (laughs) So basically the epilogue is just describing that they successfully completed trial one and they are now Mm -hmm. entering trial two right they give them a full night's sleep which was just so generous of them very nice yes thank you thank you for that (laughs) we'll give them a whole night's sleep and then we're gonna fuck them up again yeah which i'm assuming the next book is called the scorch trials that i know so we're going into that deserty portion and trying to live Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) non-committal it's so hard not to reveal stuff yeah I don't know how people on Potterless do it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Kudos to them. I know. The first time it was like really fun to lead you astray with like all the stuff that could happen and just like feeding into every one of your like fever dreams. Yeah. But now (laughs) somehow now I like feel bad about it and I like don't want you to go down the wrong path. I like want you to see the answers. Oh, that's so funny. I honestly I didn't feel that you were leading me down the wrong path. I like them. I it was it was fun. Okay, good. <laughs> because it made reading a little bit more interesting. I was like, okay, which one did she tell me was the truth? Truth, two truths and a lie. <laughs> two truths and a lie. <laughs> good stuff. 
well. We didn't do newspaper headlines. We can do that if you yeah, want. Sure. Um, we did pros, cons, predictions. We could talk about what we're reading next. What oh, yeah. Next? No, I guess we have to pick that. Um, okay, newspaper headlines for the Maze Runner. World in catastrophe <laughs> kills zone exper- <laughs> experiment department. LOL. Cheap shot. Yeah. Um, cheap shot. I like it. Thomas, a.k.a. Captain America, finds the love of his life and she holds all the answers. He's not Find Captain America. In the Scorch Trials. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> Giant maze seems death defying and unsolvable. Spoiler alert, it is. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> the maze runner. You can't solve it and everyone dies. Everyone you love dies. <laughs> everyone you love dies. Giant maze. Harry slugs. Unsolvable? Question mark? Yes. (laughs) Spoiler alert. The girl holds all the answers. (laughs) Slugs, mazes, and girls. It's going to be a weird summer. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. I think we'll end it there. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) That That was a good one. Do you want to know what my cat is doing? Yeah. She's a croissant in her basket. No. <laughs> Little meow croissant. Meow croissant. All right. Well, let's go ahead and pick our next book. Okay. Um. Do you have the list? Yeah. Let me pull that up real quick. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I don't have it up slash I can't get to it quickly because. Well, what books do you have on hand? We have Ender's Game, The Mortal Engines. The mm-hmm. Immortal Rolls, <clears throat> Uglies, Bartimus Amulet of Smarkland. Samarkand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Hunger Games, Delirium, and Divergent. Okay, so right next to me, I have uh, the Bartimus Trilogy, uh, Ender's Game. I could get to the Hunger Games. Okay, well, I think we might need a little bit different than what we just did. What's mm-hmm. uh, give us a little intro about Bartimus? Oh yes. Also, let me just preface this with: you have to love this book <laughs> because this is one of my favorite books of all time. Uh-oh. I would say it's like Sabriel Bartimus, mm. the whole series, but this one is good by itself. Um, Yeah, do you want to read the back? Oh, you're so smart. Yeah, I'll read the back. It's so long. (laughs) Nathaniel is 11 years old and a magician's apprentice, learning the traditional arts of magic. All is well until he has a life-changing encounter with Simon Lovelace, a magician of unrivaled ruthlessness and ambition. When Lovelace brutally humiliates Nathaniel in public, Nathaniel decides to speed up his education, teaching himself spells way beyond his years. With revenge on his mind, he masters one of the toughest spells of all and summons Bartimus, a 5,000-year-old jinn, or genie, to assist him. But summoning Bartimus and controlling him are two two different things entirely. And when Nathaniel sends the jinn out to steal Lovelace's greatest treasure, he finds himself caught up in a whirlwind of magical espionage, murder, and rebellion. I'm going to read this other review because it will summarize 
this character perfectly for you. So <laughs> okay, Nathaniel is, I would say, maybe the main character, but really Bartimus is. Okay. So it's like side about Nathaniel, mostly about Bartimus. So it says the witty, shape-shifting Bartimus is a diabolical Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Uh, Bartimus is okay. like the best part of this book it has a very unique writing style that i hope you will like you'll either like it or it will kind of annoy you because it makes it like a little bit difficult to read okay you'll see what i mean i can't describe it it's an interesting style um but most of it is told from bartimus's perspective and he is the best he's very sarcastic very witty very cutting i think you'll really like him Interesting. So what about the world that they live in makes this one fit our dystopia genre? So in this universe, wizards are like a elitist class and non-magics are kind of like muggles, you know? So there's wizards and there's the real world, but instead of them coexisting, wizards rule the mm-hmm. non-magic people in a very dark and sinister way. Okay. Interesting. I'm intrigued. We'll go ahead and go with that next. Yes. You sold. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How many times have you read this already? That's a good question. At least three. Ooh. Maybe more. Getting up Sometimes getting when up I was there. bored in the summer, I would just like read through the series. And mm-hmm. then so there's a book that is a prequel to this that I didn't know existed. So I read all three and was going through, uh, what do you call it? Book withdrawal? Book, yeah. book hangover? Hangover. Book hangover. Trademark. So I went online looking for fun stuff to do and found another book. And immediately ordered it on Amazon. (laughs) And it was just as good as the other ones. (laughs) Oh, good. So we have that to add later if you you like it. Yeah, definitely. We'll have a whole season dedicated to Mm -hmm. (laughs) follow-ups. I think that this one could make a really good movie. And I've been saying that for years. Like, that this would be very entertaining as a movie. Why do you think that they haven't? Um, Is it really long? It is. It's longer. Hang on, I'm trying to... I mean, that didn't stop them from the middle Harry Potter mm-hmm. book, so I don't... 462 pages. I don't know. So just, like, an extra 100 pages over this right. one, uh, the Maze Runner. I don't know why, honestly. Um, I'm, I don't know when it was written, like, if it's old, and so, like, people haven't looked at it in a while, you know? I mean, it definitely wasn't... It's not on my radar. I've never heard of it. Um, 2003. Oh. It's not super old. But it probably just wasn't, like, on the radar, I guess. Like, I don't know yeah, how probably. prolific of a writer Jonathan Stroud is. But, I don't know, can't say. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, I think that wraps up this episode. We'll do our shameless plugs. You have to shamelessly plug because I don't, I don't even know what's going on you can read along with <laughs> us for the next month we'll be reading Bartimus amulet of samarkand by jonathan stroud uh you can join the conversation by following us on twitter or instagram at epiloggers pod 
on both of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can follow me, Mal Jinx, the wonderful kitten of the podcast. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, me, Mal Jinx. She's pretty cute. She's very cute. I might be Give biased. Give her a follow. <laughs> Is that everything? I think so. I think that's all the plugs. Yeah. So, thanks for listening. And always remember, the best way to tackle adulthood is with a book in one hand and a beverage in the other. (laughs) See you in two weeks. (laughs) Bye-bye.